What's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is the latest episode of the 1796 Sports Pod. We got the whole crew back together for this one. First time in like a month. Um, life happens. So everybody's back in the fold. We'll talk about our ugly win over Missouri, 72-67. Uh, and then we'll preview Texas A&M, and we'll get into some baseball. And we got some good viewer questions today. So we'll get into all that. Missouri. If you only watched one half, like Jim said before we started recording, you probably wanted to break something. Um, <laughs> it was it was horrendous. Um, we'll get into the to that uh, more specifically, but we were actually down twenty nine to twenty six at the half, and then we scored forty six points in the second. So we ended up with a seventy two six seven win. Like we always say, a win is a win especially on the road. So, you know, not going to complain too much about it. Ryan, what the fuck are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll edit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we always say, a win is a win. Um, there's no reason to, you know, I, don't, I don't think any reason to be super upset about it. I mean, especially seeing, you know, what happened with Kentucky. So, Yeah. I mean, another win, but it was ugly. Jim, you want to share your thoughts on the matter? Well, I mean, you put it perfectly. I mean, a win's a win. Um, you know, I get we only won by five, but, I mean, we we definitely, if we lost that game, that would have been devastating. Like, that's a quad three. You should have, like, this shouldn't have been this way. But both teams started out really slow. I mean, it was one nothing. Uh, what, for four and a half minutes in the game? That both teams couldn't even hit a shot. Um, Dalton Connect was non-existent in the first half. Comes out in the second half and turns into you know Dalton Connect that we all know and love. But um, I want to give a shout out to Tobey Awaka. That guy absolutely carried us this game. Eighteen points, ten rebounds. Uh, I, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better game from him, and we really needed it in a game like this. We really needed somebody to step up. But um. Overall, yeah, really ugly game. Um, I'm actually really happy this game came against Missouri and not, you know, Saturday against A&M. So, yeah, yeah, it it couldn't have – I'd rather be against the worst team in the SEC because they are the worst team in the SEC. Even Vanderbilt is better than them. But, um, but yeah, like I said, better to come now than Saturday. Yeah, it – Horrendous, horrendous start to that game. I mean, I think I mean, you said it was one to nothing after you know the first media timeout. It was six to two after the second one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. And I mean, Missouri had us right where they wanted us in that first half. I mean, slowing us down and turning us over and forcing us into ridiculously bad shots. <clears throat> I mean, it was Ziegler looked bad in the first half too. I mean. Like I just said, he's turning the ball over and taking bad shots, and he wasn't the only one. But the the main point we've already touched on it is you got out of there with a damn win, and without Dalton Connect, 
like if we played this game last year and it played out the same way, we lose that game a hundred percent of the time. And you know, him being able to just turn it on whenever he wants is a get out of jail free card for this team, which is why I think if we have a, you know, dumbfoundingly bad start to a tournament game, we can overcome it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not every team has that luxury. I mean, Kentucky has it to a certain extent with Dillingham. We have it with connect. It's, it's nice for sure. Um, you know, once again, I agree with everything y'all said, um, but I do think it's important to point out, you know, like you, like y'all said, we won. Uh, ultimately, that's the goal. I mean, imagine how Kentucky fans are feeling today after what happened to them last night. So, Ryan, you, you pointed it out to me last night, and I thought it was a really good point. Like, being able to close out those games against horrible teams is still impressive. Like yeah, it's something, it's something that good teams are able to do, which I think you know we're clearly a better team than Kentucky at this point, and it's because we have an X factor like Dalton Connect, and something else that was huge in that game for us, which I, I tweeted out, is Rick Barnes made one of his best coaching decisions of the year when he went with that ultra big lineup of Adu, Awaka, Connect, and I think it was Vescovy and Ganey when we really started to pull ahead in that game. I mean, it that was a beautiful coaching decision because we cleaned house on, on the boards from that point on, and Awaka had his best game of his career. I mean, kudos to Rick. No, for sure. Um, I thought it was just incredible that Awaka is kind of the uh, – not the last guy, but – He's not the person you'd expect to lead the team in scoring. So it just adds another layer to this onion of a team or like you never know who it's going to be really. Ganey's had those great games where he pops up. Adu, you know, has taken over a few games. Connect, obviously. Triple J took over against Kentucky. Like that's what I think is scary about this team and why I'm not worried is because, you know, like you said, Ryan, Connect is a get-out-of-jail free card if all else fails. But he's not the only one. Like, I mean, Awaka getting 18 points is not something I had on my bingo card. So that's good mm-hmm. to see. It does, and I want to, Jim, I want your opinion on this. I, are you worried at all that Triple J and Vescovy had another stinker? No, well, I mean, the whole team pretty much stunk other than Dalton Connect and Awaka. I'll even throw Adu in there and, and Zakai. They had, you know, that's fine. They it. Yeah, they, they yeah. were struggling at first, but they, they made up for it. Yeah, but, I mean, no, nah, everyone's going to have this game where you're just going to stink it up. I mean, it, it's going to happen. But, like I said before, it, I'm glad you get this out of the way. You got a revenge game coming Saturday. You could turn it around, and, you know, you better get ready for this gauntlet. I mean, Tennessee's got a rough, rough last couple games and right before March, and... As long as we stay healthy, I think – I still think Tennessee could pull out, you know, with these last five games, I think we could win four of them. And and that's including – I think Kentucky is just a lost cause at this point. And I'm not saying that they can't beat us, but, I mean, at home, I would uh, – I'm going to give Tennessee the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, this team 
we've seen what they could do. We we had what, Ryan? I think you probably know this better than me. But we had what six games in a row with eighty five plus. Like this team could score. It's just we had we had an off night. We still came out with the win. And that's huge. I don't know if you guys seen um, Million Dollar Marco, one of the best betters in all of betting, lays two hundred thousand dollars on the Tennessee Volunteers to win a Natty this year. Dang, dang, that's yep. two hundred K to win three million. That's a vote and, of confidence, if I've ever heard. Well, that. he's not even he's not a Vol fan either. He's just yeah. a normal guy watching, and <clears throat> it could definitely happen. It it just this team, man. You can't have these off nights. You can't take any team lightly. You got to go into this game like they did the Kentucky game in Rupp Arena. You got to go into this game and say, hey. These guys are good. It don't matter. Like, look, I mean, St. Peter's when they beat Kentucky. Like, Kentucky came into that game thinking it was just a rollover game, and they lost. You can't be mm-hmm. doing that. Anything can happen this time of year. I mean, that's absolutely. That's why, why we love college basketball. Like, I mean, look at it. I don't think anybody – I mean, we're biased, but we're not that biased. I don't think we could even admit that – I don't think we think that Tennessee is, like, the, the most talented roster in the country. But a lot of times the most talented roster doesn't win the whole thing. I mean, Tennessee seems like the type of team that could make a deep March run just because they're not the the perennial number one team, but they find ways to get it done. And I think that it makes us a dangerous team in March. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Bryce. I mean, Jim was, you know, reiterating this point. I mean, this team checks a lot of boxes that, big-time betters look for when you talk about the NCAA tournament. Number one, we're top 20 in offensive and defensive efficiency on Kim Palm. We have a X-Factor player in Dalton Connect, and we have the depth. I mean, those are three big boxes that, you know, anybody who knows anything about basketball betting will look for in a, in a team going into the tournament. But I, I want to bring up something that is, to my knowledge, an un- unconfirmed rumor at this point. Can we talk about this whole Eli Drinkwitz versus Zakai Ziegler thing? Yeah, Did Jim. See that? I was going to ask you, Jim, if you know if that's true or not. What? So the thing that like several accounts posted. Um, obviously, we weren't we weren't there, so I don't know. But several accounts posted it that uh, Drinkwitz like said some shit to Z- Zakai, and Zakai was like, "I don't even know who you are. You four-eyed fat ass." Now, I can't confirm it, but I know he was heckling. I can't tell you what if that if Zakai actually said that. Now, I've met Zakai in person and I could guarantee you it's something he would say. <laughs> but um yeah, it, it's just it's it's embarrassing if it's true. I mean, the fact that he's like a 50-year-old male or like I mean, I think he's 50, 40 whatever he is. But you're heckling college athletes during a basketball game as a coach, because you're a well-known coach in, you know, college sports. You you shouldn't be heckling uh, a college athlete, especially when you know they can't say anything back. Well, well they're not supposed to. Said, like, okay, I know that you said it sounds like something Ziegler would do, 
it definitely sounds like something Drinkowitz would do too. He's a fucking dork. Oh, absolutely. He th- yeah. Oh, I stand on business and shakes his hand and walks away real quick. Like, <laughs> dude, you're a pussy. Like, Josh Heupel would have said something, but he ran away too fast before he could. You know, it, it's something. It's just so stupid. Um, coaches should have respect for all the athletes. Uh, like, I mean, we talked about it when Nate Oates shoved the Missouri player. Like, stuff like that should not happen. And if it does happen, it should be immediate penalties to that program. Well, bro, like, here's the thing. Talk about Saban all you want. Do you really think Saban would ever do that at a basketball game? Like, Well, I don't think he'd ever go to a basketball exa- game. Well, no. yeah, but that's the thing. Like, that's just it makes you look, like, classless. And it just makes you look like a freaking dork. But I mean, he he doesn't know how to behave any any other way though. So, yeah, I don't know. I I think it it probably did happen. I don't know if that's exactly what the words were, but I guarantee you, Sakai is going to say something back. Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, he he was a cornball before this, and he's just an even bigger cornball now. If all this is true, I mean, he, even if Ziegler didn't respond, even if he was heckling. That's a joke. Like you're a, you're double his age, and you're in a, you're the highest paid employee in the state of Missouri. Like, it just reeks of insecurity. Well, I mean, because he got his one little win over us, and he knows that in reality we're still Big Brother, so he has to compensate for it. It's it's embarrassing at this point. I mean, I don't think it's even worth talking about. It's just it, it's really cringy. Like, Josh Heupel wouldn't do it. No, he fucking wouldn't. I, it's it's just really really embarrassing. He's a dork. Uh, oh, uh, guys! Speaking of cornball coaches in the SEC East, did you see the video of Shane Beamer doing this army crawl in the mud to galvanize his uh, players? Uh, no, but you need to send me that. How can you be like? I have a serious question. Like, like how can you be like an 18, 17, 18 year old, like elite athlete? And meet that dork and be like, yeah, I buy into him. No clue. Like, like who thinks he's cool? Like, I, I don't, I don't. Bro, get the- I don't know. And I'm good friends with a lot of like South Carolina fans. And the fact that they they love this dude is like beyond me. Like, if I was a South Carolina fan, I honestly would want to like choke him out. Like, this dude should be gone. I mean, he has destroyed their program to, from what it was. And it's not getting any better. Like, I don't care what any South Carolina fan says. Like, that program is getting – it's not getting any better. So, we'll see what happens with him. But I, I think Beamer's a dork. Like, that, that dude, he like he tries to be cool for his kids or something. He acts his kid's age. Like, his kid's like, what, 12, 11? I think his kid's more mature than he is. His dad has to be just – rolling his eyes whenever he sees any type of media tweeted from the South Carolina football account. Well, Ryan, it's like you always say, if his dad wasn't a legendary coach, he'd be a chemistry teacher. Yeah. He'd, he'd be coaching like middle school lacrosse. Like he, he's, <laughs> he should never be, have gotten to his position. It's only because he was born on third. So, well guys, uh, anything else stick out to y'all from the Missouri game? No, just don't let it happen again in these next five games. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Yeah, And stay healthy. By God, stay healthy. Like, don't yeah. don't risk anything. If you're winning by 20, take the starters out, please. 
Yeah, like like we did against Vanderbilt. I mean, yes, we need a game. Uh, it would be nice. Like we don't have any games like that on the. Honestly, I could see us blowing out South Carolina, but like because South Carolina is such a fluke, it's ridiculous. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Alabama in first place, by the way, pisses me off. Like. We beat them by 20, and all these guys are like, oh, Alabama's the number one team in the SEC right now. You lost to Tennessee by 20. Like, it make, make it make sense. Yeah, that's the thing about it is, like, if it was a close game, I could maybe understand that argument. But it's not – there was nothing fluky about that game. We blitzkrieged them, and Florida did not do us any favors last night blowing that game in the last four minutes. That was oh yeah, but listen, listen. Sakai Ziegler is Mark Sears's father. Like when <laughs> when Mark Sears has a guy like Sakai guarding him, he can't do anything. He still had twenty points against us, but it was in garbage time when Sakai wasn't guarding him. Yeah, I mean, we'll, 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 we we will have our chance down in down in Alabama to leave no doubt that we are the best team in the SEC. And I think most people, I think it's a minority that think Alabama is really the best team. I mean, it shows in the in the seedings right now and in the national rankings, the, the AP poll. So, <clears throat> but yeah, guys, you want to get into this uh, A&M matchup on Saturday? Yep. Um, initial thoughts, Jim, you think uh, repeat of last time, you think it'll go a little different? Uh, I just don't see Texas A&M coming in, shooting like 80% from three. Right. I, just don't, I don't see that happening, especially in Knoxville. And coming off the game we just came off of, I don't see Tennessee doing that again. They're they're gonna be at their home their home court. They'll be shooting comfortably. They know they've been there, done that. I, I see this as a revenge game. Um I think Tennessee takes this one pretty handily. I think we win by ten plus. And um yeah. Here's my thing about it. I don't know if y'all know, knew this or not, but a and M has not won a game since they beat us. They've lost to two teams three. we've beaten by. Well, uh, yeah, they've lost to three, but they've lost to two teams we've beaten by thirty. Yeah, they lost to Vanderbilt, Alabama, and Arkansas, which is embarrassing. I mean, that's about the worst. That's two of the worst losses you can have. So, uh, yeah, I mean that <laughs> that lot makes our loss to them look worse. But like you said, it I mean, it's a good way to get back on track. It you know, it's get payback. Keep the SEC wins piling up before you said, Jim, our schedule gets really tough here at the end. So we can't afford to yeah. drop another one to an inferior team. Especially at home. And Jim, you alluded to the players wanting to beat this team because of what happened in College Station. I think Rick Barnes wants to beat Buzz Williams just as much as the players want to beat the I players want to on Texas. Punch that dude in the face, dude! Like, I mean, his, his, the interview he gave, or the, it was in a, a press conference, I think, before the Arkansas game, basically saying like giving his players permission to run over him if he's in the middle of the court again. Rick Barnes never says stuff like that. Like that obviously made him mad, and he called a timeout in the waning seconds of that game to get in Pat Adams' ear one more time about how ridiculous that was. I mean, have y'all ever seen anything uh, – have y'all ever seen a coach run out onto the floor and jump up and down like a – he looks like a gnome, first of all, and he wears that stupid vest. But It's been all year, though, with coaches. Like, I mean, like I said before, Nate Oates pushing a player. Like, you got this dude running in the middle of a court during a basketball game and not getting teed up. 
Like, it, it's just, it's ridiculous, man. Like, the refs, it, it's, it's weird. And watch, you'll see, we all know, I mean, the home team usually gets more calls just because it's a home team. But, I mean, he does that again. I, I hope Awaka's on the floor and just buries him. Yeah, Rick Barnes, if, if Buzz Williams is allowed to do that again, Rick Barnes should go out and just set crisscross applesauce at midcourt and not move. In, in I'd take a T. Oh, man. I mean, you know how legendary that would be? He should, like, rip off his clothes and run around the court in his underwear if, if they allow him to do that again. Like, wh- wh- where's the line? I mean, like it, that, that was insane. And like I said, Rick Barnes never, ever goes after a coach like that. And I think it'll be interesting to watch the handshakes before and after the game between him and Buzz. I mean, yeah. It hasn't been since Penny Hardaway that Rick Barnes has squabbled with a, with a opposing team's coach like this. So I'm very much looking forward to this matchup. And I also think that we will take care of business. Yeah, we'll get down to our predictions. But, yeah, like I said, I, I, I think this team – like I said, we had the the Missouri game is actually like a benefit to us right now going into this five game stretch, especially against Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, and Kentucky. Like I expect us to beat Texas AM. But like you got four good basketball teams in a row to end the season. And I, I'm glad we got this slump shooting night out of the way. Yes. That's that's a terrific point. I mean, we've already gotten the bad performance every three or four games out of the way. So, you know, that's it bodes well for, for the stretch run here. Yeah, I mean, no excuses to lose this game, though, I, I think. Absolutely no excuse. I mean, I'm not – wouldn't say panicky by any stretch of the imagination, but it it's going to be extremely disappointing if we drop to this team again because they're not good. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Um. Yeah, I mean, we can get into score predictions, though. I, I agree with Jim. I think they're going to get ran out of the court. Um, there's too much tension. There's too much behind-the-scenes stuff that everybody's pissed about. And losing to this team in general, I, I think it's the sour taste in their mouth still. They're not going to lose at home to a shitty team like Texas A&M. So, Honestly, I think um, we're looking at like an 84-68 type game. I honestly do. I think we get a, a good bit of payback. I think we leave no doubt that the last game was fluky. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I, I mean, Texas A&M has a good backcourt, but other than that, that's that's all that they got. Um, I think games probably – I think they're going to run it up, to be honest, after – like you guys said, all the shenanigans that happened, I, I think we hit break the 90 mark here, get like 91, 93 points. And I think you're about right. I think Texas A&M will get 68 to 72. So I, I my final one, I'll say 91 to 71. Yeah. If, if we box up Garcia like we didn't do in College Station and Wade Taylor doesn't hit his first five threes of the game, we're going to run them out of the gym. And – I'm very close to y'all. I think it's going to be in that range too. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to go 95 and a little bit lower for A&M to 65. I like that a lot though. I, I, that'd be, 
that'd be awesome, especially after what happened, you know, with all, like I said, with all the stuff that happened. Yep. Yeah, I mean, no excuses here. Like, I think y'all nailed it. Expect a big game here. Um, well, did y'all have any other thoughts on Missouri or Texas A&M before we move on? No, just yeah. go beat them. Set the tone early and take care of business. Here, here. All right. Ryan, before we get into some viewer questions, why don't you give us a little baseball update? Well, um, after Vault Twitter was melting down on Saturday night, after we lost to Oklahoma, we've rebounded pretty nicely. Um, we we beat a Baylor eleven to five. It wasn't a very stressful game after the first uh, two or three innings, and then on uh, Tuesday we had another offensive lull. But the good news is our young pitchers showed out against UNC Asheville and we secured that game three to two. Then yesterday, the offense showed back up again in a gigantic way with an 11-run third inning to run roll East Tennessee State in seven innings, 16 to nothing. So, I mean, the the best thing about the baseball team right now is that a lot of the players we're going to be relying on in SEC play haven't even hit their stride yet. So, I think everybody should have a pretty positive outlook right now about the Tennessee baseball team. Well, I think it's good that we didn't like we have a couple good performances already on the books against solid teams. Like, mm -hmm. you know, anybody can beat up on Asheville or ETSU, but when when you actually, you know, beat up a pretty decent Baylor team, a pretty decent Texas Tech team, I mean, it's a good way to get the season started. Jim, what do you think? I think, uh, like you said, the young pitchers are doing good. Frank Anderson's just a straight-up pitching god and just is one of the best coaches in all the country. Um, but, no, I mean, we have picked up such good transfers this year. And like Ryan said, they haven't even hit their stride. But Billy the Kid, dude, Billy Amick is an absolute tank, and I think he's a dark horse for the Golden Cleats or whatever they call it. Um, it's just this kid, man, he's got three home runs already in four games and the uh, cannon peebles is something we needed a catcher, even though, you know, our backups are playing really well as well. And, um, you gotta think though, Simo's batting f like 438 as an average, and Blake Burke hasn't really hit his stride yet, but he's had a couple ropes and, you know, this team, man, all around is solid. I think all we need is a, a set starter on Sunday um, because Russell and Beam will be, you know, they'll do their thing, of course. We just need a guy like either, like a Nate Sneed or even Xander uh, Sechrist. I think we give him another shot. I think he had a rough game and uh, – at least give him another shot against like an Albany or something like that. But um, all around teams teams good. I can see this team going far. Uh, your lineup stacked, your pitching stacked, and like I said, all you gotta find is that Sunday starter. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned Christian Moore and Billy Amick, but the the other head of that three headed monster, I think, will be Kavar's tears. I mean. 
he I think he is coming into form as a college baseball player. And I mean, he's batting 385. He has five RBIs, two home runs. I mean, and he d- didn't even start against uh, uh, Oklahoma. So he has a game less of at-bats at to show for. I mean, when, when he makes contact, it goes far. It either, I mean, like it's, it's insane how well he can see the ball. And he also is a threat, threat on the bases, too. And he's pretty good defensively. Like, I, I think he's going to be a huge piece to the baseball team this year. For sure. So, guys, do y'all want to get into some viewer questions? We've got some good ones. Absolutely. All right. Let's see here. All right. So, we got our first questions from Code Orange, friend of the show. What is your realistic expectation for Tennessee basketball in the NCAA tournament? That's the part one. So, I'll, I'll go first here. This might be bold. I'm not sure. I think anything short, anything shy of the Elite Eight is a major disappointment. That's my opinion. So I'm going to say my expectation is at least an Elite Eight appearance. I like that. I, I'm 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 right along with you. To me, I think that's about right. I think you could consider like a, getting out of the Sweet 16 as a as a failure, but this team, man. It's got all the pieces. Uh, I honestly could see this team going to a Final Four because, I mean, we played uh, Purdue and Kansas all at the beginning of the year before these guys, you know, got their groove going and played together for a while. But, I mean, it all de- uh, to me, it all depends on who's in our, our side of the bracket because if we play same thing as if we're the two seed and Purdue's the one seed, we could beat Purdue. Like, it, I mean, it's just... Zach Eady just gets every call there is, but um, it all depends on the bracket seating because if you have a good like a good side of the bracket with not a lot of tough teams to play, I mean, this team could definitely get to the Final Four. But if you get a bracket with you know Houston, Virginia, like you know all these like teams that can knock someone off them that are you know good basketball teams, yeah, you could see Tennessee, you know doing its thing and usually choking in the tournament. But like I said before, a lot of people are confident that this team has all the pieces. It's got the coaching. It's got the depth. It's got the, you know, it's got Dalton connect and we'll see. I, I just think this team, this team can win it all and we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's yours, Ryan? Anything less than an elite eight is an abject failure. Okay. This team, this team is too good. It is too deep. You have the X factor. You have the versatility to win any type of game in the tournament. And you don't have the excuse of, oh, you're on the road in the SEC. These are all neutral site games. And really, Tennessee travels well enough to where a lot of them will probably be in the ball's favor as far as the crowd. So there's no excuses this year. And if, if we run into a team in the Elite Eight trying to get to the Final Four that – is just as good, and we play well and still lose. I won't be mad, but like, you know, it's it's March. It's a crapshoot. You got to rely on luck at times, and you have to play at an elite level to make it to the Final Four. But I fully believe this team is capable of doing that. 
All right. And then uh, the second part of that question is, should the Lady Vols move on from Kelly Harper, even if she makes it to the tournament? Um, yeah, I think making it, simply making it to the tournament shouldn't be the standard. Um, so if we make it and get kicked out in the first round, I I think that it's probably time to go. I mean, I've defended her m- probably more than anybody, but I think – I mean, that just shouldn't be the standard. So, yeah, I'm going to say yes. I agree 100%. I think uh, unless you do something magical and end up winning an Addy, I think she's gone. I think um, unless you have a magical run and get to the Final Four or something, I mean, I think it's time to move on. I think you get someone younger, someone – I mean, we've talked about it before. uh, Someone out of the whole Pat Summit, like, ex-player – thing and you know get someone that wants to come make a program i mean we've said it before there's plenty of people they go to today and say hey you, you will you be the next coach of the lady vols basketball team they'll jump right on it and i think it's uh about that time yeah yeah simply making the tournament at tennessee for for the women's basketball program is never the standard um I mean, that's like I I totally agree with both of y'all. She should be gone unless she does something crazy in March. Like I would need her to make an elite eight or probably even a final four to even consider bringing her back. I mean, we've stagnated. Yeah, I mean it's very unlikely, but yeah, that's now this team does have the talent to do it. It's just. There's something wrong, I think, with this chemistry that they have. And, I mean, you got one of the best lady basketball players in the country, Rakia Jackson, and Spears is good, too. I mean, you got the roster to where you could do something. I mean, you stuck with the best team in the country until the fourth quarter. I mean, they can do it. It's just there's something going on in the background that just doesn't seem right, and I feel like it's the coach. Totally agree. Um, Bryce, you, you, you got to run here. Gotta yeah, go. I do. Um, did, do. Do you have the tweet pulled up, Ryan? Yes, I got it down, man. Go take care of your baby. Everybody, right. Bryce just had a baby. Everybody wish him luck. <laughs> All right, I'll be back. Y'all, take it easy. Go balls, baby. All right, man. See you. See you, buddy. All right, Jim. Next question in the in the replies. Um. I don't know if you know much about the Predators or what's going on, so if you want me to take care of this one, I will. But uh, Rob asks, will Trotz pull the trigger on a UC Soros trade and is Askarov ready to be a starter in the NHL? Um, Barry Trotz is a very new GM. This is his first job, obviously. I think he he is – fully capable of doing something I think that David Poyle wasn't willing to do and making the best move for the team, even if that means it doesn't benefit the team in the short run. And I do think he should pull the trigger on that trade because Saros's trade value is getting worse and worse as you don't trade him. He's an undersized gully to begin with, and as he gets older, he'll get less athletic. Simple as that. And as far as Askarov goes, the one start he made this year, the Predators won in a shootout. And he made saves on Alexander Ovechkin and uh, 
Kuznetsov, who are two elite shootout players. So I, I think he's ready. And even if he's not, this team needs to position themselves for some draft picks at this point. So that's my opinion on that. You got anything to say about that, Normal? Uh, I don't really follow the Predators a lot. Um, but I agree with what you said. I think if the guy is – if his value is going down – you might as well get rid of the guy and try and get what you can for him. So that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, next question, Russell asks, what are your way too early predictions for who will be the standout guys on Tennessee's baseball team this year, one pitcher and one batter? What do you well, think, Jim? Well, I mean, are we going with the most obvious or are we going with like – the underdog kind of, I guess we can do mo- both. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do both. Well, well, I, I think, I think best pitcher I stand out. I mean, we've only seen him pitch once, but like with beam and Russell, but Russell, man, he looks incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. his pitches move in insane amounts. He throws hard, um, had a really good game against Texas tech. I, I, I think, Russell will probably be the main standout pitcher. Um, but I think if you're looking at an underdog pitcher, in my opinion, I'd say probably Nate Sneed. Nate Sneed looked really good when he came in the other day. And, it, I mean, he's got the stuff. I mean, dude throws hard. He's got good movement. And like I said before, I mean, when you have Frank Anderson teaching you, uh, I see Nate Sneed becoming a really good option for the balls this year that's uh my pitchers what do you think about the uh, pitcher side yeah I, I think i'm gonna go with who i think could be the x factor and also is sort of a sleeper i'm gonna combine mine for for pitching at least um what aj causey did to close out the game against texas tech to me was very very impressive because russell kind of flamed out because he was throwing all those strikeouts and he kind of got tired and through four and a third. And then AJ Causey comes in out of the bullpen and finishes the game with a four and a two thirds innings and seven strikeouts. And the reason I think he can be the X factor is because his arm slot, he kind of sidewinds it. It's a kind of a half quarter arm slot. It comes out around his like in between his belly button and his chest, which is weird for a batter to to watch, especially after watching a, you know, like a, a normal pitching uh, release throughout the first part of the game. And, yeah, that, that, that that's my pick because he impressed me a lot in that Texas Tech game. Oh, I agree. I mean, he did really well. There's, there's so many names, man. Like, Tennessee's so deep with young talent in on the pitching staff. Uh, I mean, it's hard to pick. But I, I feel like those two are probably going to be the most you'll hear um, and I think Xander Seacrest is gonna is gonna turn it around. I mean, he had a rough game. He probably had a lot of nerves coming in, and uh, I think he'll settle down. I think we'll probably see him again Sunday to at least start the game. And mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we'll see. But um, batters wise, I mean, you got plenty of guys you could pick oh, yeah. from, and, and I'm gonna stay away from the main, you know, couple. And even tears. I'm not going to even say tears because I, I mean we we all we'll all say that. But um, Villain the Wave, that kid is going to be something special. And Dean Curley, I mean, dude hit a home run and a triple in his debut. Um, I think 
I think if he stays uh, playing a little bit, I think he's going to be the main guy, and I think he's going to be a sleeper for the Vols. It's, you know, I, again, there's so many people to choose from on this team that could hit. I mean, you got Reese Chapman. Um, you got Blake Burke. Uh, Cannon Peebles is another one that, I mean, he hasn't even hit his stride yet, and this team could just flat-out hit. So what do you think? Yeah, yeah I this is not a sleeper by any means, but I really think it's hard to not think Billy Amick will be huge batting wise for the Vols. He kind of got, I mean, not kind of, he got super unlucky down in Texas at the Rangers ballpark in those first three games because he smoked a lot of balls that ended up being outs. And he leads the team in home runs through five games with three. I mean, he just seems, I mean, he batted like over 400 at Clemson last year. And I I don't see any reason that he can't get close to that again. And like I said, the the luck will will come around as far as the batting average on balls in play. Whenever you smoke it, you deserve a hit. And he hasn't got that luck thus far. But yet again, he has still managed to lead the team in home runs through five games. So that's who I'm going with for the X factor on on the hitting side. And for a sleeper, for, yeah, for a sleeper, I think this qualifies as a sleeper right now because he kind of had a shaky um, a shaky time in SEC play last year, but and he's kind of slow to start this year. But Blake Burke, I think he's going to start seeing the ball. And I think he's getting better at laying off those pitches that are low and away, which always seem to kill left-handers. And I, I really think he's going to turn it around and get back to how he was in his freshman year as far as I mean, did you see his? Did you see his foul ball? The other oh day, God. dude, that yeah. thing was that thing had to be four hundred and fifty feet, dude. He, like, yeah, I mean, it was insane. Like, you deserve a home run, no matter if it's foul or not, on a ball hit. Yeah, I mean, you might as well just count it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's my sleeper for for hitting. Um, <laughs> anything else on hitting uh, on the, on the X factors for the balls? Uh I mean, you got like I said, you got so many. I mean, the fact that you have Christian Moore. Uh, Billy Amick, Cannon Peebles, Blake Burke, uh, Tears, Villanueva. Uh, you got all these guys, man. This lineup's so stacked to where there's so many X, X factors. If someone's not hitting that day, someone's going to get a hit. Hunter Ensley, too. I think Hunter Ensley's going to have a good year this year. Just give him a couple. I think I think Ensley's going to benefit from not batting leadoff. That's just my opinion. I just mm-hmm. don't see him as a leadoff hitter. Not saying he's not a good hitter, because he is. I just think you need someone like Christian Moore, who is very aggressive at the plate, to be batting leadoff. Yeah, I, I, I mean it's it's hard to. I mean Moore, you can really put him anywhere. I think he'd be great at cleanup. I think he's great in the yep. three hole. I think he's great at leadoff. I mean, put him anywhere as long as he's in the lineup. I'm happy, but I do think leadoff is probably wins out on spots that I want him at just because of how how just good of a hitter he is. I mean, I think I said it in the last episode, he's an MLB-ready hitter, and I, th- I think leadoff will eventually be his home once we get the SEC play. So, yeah, we got two MLB-ready hitters on, on that lineup. Oh, yeah. Um, next least. question. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of those players can be classified as MLB-ready hitters. but Absolutely. Yeah. Next question from our from the Twitter replies. Dakota 
ask. He says, every team needs it. Who's going to be the dogs for Vol football next season? I mean, we could go. I, there's again, there's so many people you could pick from. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know James Pierce is going to play really well. Um, I mean, Duke could potentially be a top five, top ten draft pick uh, next year. But if I'm if if it's me, I'm coming off a guy who was injured last year that would have gotten playing time as a freshman last year. But Tyree Weathersby, I think, is going to be an absolute hound with James <laughs> Pierce and even even Jordan Ross. I think Jordan Ross is going to get some playing time. But you got so many guys on the def- defensive line uh, that is going to be huge. But I'm actually changing my pick. <laughs> but Tyler Weathersby is going to be a dog. I think coming off an injury, this kid was going to see playing time last year. And um, But I think the leader of the defense – this year is going to be Keenan Peely coming off an injury. Same, same thing. The kid was playing really well during that Virginia game. And he, I mean, he's got, he's got the, the mental, he's, he's got the tangibles. He's got the leadership. I think he's going to be that dog on the defensive end to help Tennessee win a bunch of games this year. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's just like with baseball talking about the X factors. I mean, same deal talking about dogs with the football team. You got plenty of options to pick from. And that's, but, that's just on the defensive side. I mean, yeah. we all know Nico is going to be an X factor. Oh my God. Yeah. And my pick for dogs on both defense and offense, I'll start with defense. Um, Just based on what I know about the kid, he's a freshman coming in. I think there's no way Boo Carter is not going to find his way onto the field and play very Great meaningful pick. snaps. Great pick. There's no way in hell that he does not see the field this year for a ton of snaps. And like he'll he, be he'll he, be a returner for sure, but I still think you're right. I think he's gonna play he's gotta play on the defensive end a little bit. Yeah. I, I think defense will be his home and I think he will find a spot in that secondary and show out. I mean, he's just too talented and has the mindset to be the player that nobody wants to see lined up against them. And offensively, it's kind of the, the same trend with, with you and Keenan Peely. I think Brew McCoy coming off an injury was something to mm-hmm. prove in his final year of college football. I mean, he was already a dog before. Oh, yeah, before, dude. Before oh, coming yeah. in this year. I mean, it takes three people to tackle him. I mean, it, And there's a reason me. he came back, too. He has such good chemistry with Nico. Yeah. I mean, he reminds me so much of Jawan Jennings wearing that 15 number and just breaking tackles left and right. And I, I think he's going to be the Nico's favorite target, especially on third downs. And he's going to be the guy that Nico's going to when he really needs a, a big play. So that's my pick for the dogs as far as defense and offense for the football team. Absolutely. I mean, I – he that's a great pick, and also you got to remember. I mean, he's such a good blocker too. And then now you got Holden Stays and a veteran offensive line to open up the field for Dylan Sampson. I mean, Bruce McCoy does it all. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, this this just shows how well, like the whole athletic department is doing when you have to like really think about these questions, because a lot of times teams only have one or two type players like this. And it's an easy answer, but we got several candidates. So, 
it's a great spot to be in for, for all these sports. Um, moving on to the next question we have on Twitter here. Uh, Valpatine. I'm guessing that's Vol and General Palpatine, Chancellor Palpatine. I don't watch much Star Wars, but Valpatine asks, he goes on to say, every year teams that make the Final Four have two things happen. Their stars play like stars, plus a role player becomes a star, even if it's just a few games. Who does that for us if we make it to Phoenix? Uh, I feel like it's the obvious que- The obvious answer is Dalton Connect. Uh, I think Dalton's going to have to play out of his mind. Um, not necessarily scoring 30-plus points, but I think Dalton needs to do his thing. But if I'm if I'm saying anybody, I feel like it's Triple J. I feel like Triple J needs to step up in, in this tournament because, obviously, I mean, the stats are there. The fact that if Triple J does good, the team does good. And there's stats to prove that, and I think that's the guy – you need to step up and march for Tennessee to reach a Final Four and, and potentially win a national championship. Yeah, I, th- I think Triple J's. I mean, it's like you said when when Tennessee basketball is at their best, Triple Triple J is contributing a ton. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. And I'm going to go with a, a role player here. And, and this might be recency bias based on the game on Tuesday night, but. If Adu were to get in foul trouble, I think Awaka could carry that load against the uh, an elite big man. I think he has the attitude. I think he has the the hustle and the willpower to come down with big rebounds. And honestly, he's done way better offensively this year than I ever would have expected. He's kind of got a bag in the post now with his little jump hooks and and uh, spins and stuff. And I also, agree. I mean. But the, the his first two years at Tennessee, he was not good at the free throw line, and now he's shooting seventy something percent. When you have a big man that can shoot in the seventies on on free throw percentage, that's huge too. So that's my pick for for a player that might you know blossom in March. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, he he's been outstanding, and like you said, I mean the fact that he could go down, he's about the only big man that could hit a free throw consistently, and um. That's the big thing to me too. Is going into March, you gotta hit your free throws. Got it. We've been struggling at the free throw line, pretty much all season, and mm-hmm. it, it just can't happen. Good teams are gonna hit your hit your free throws. They call them free throws for a reason, and <laughs> you, you gotta be you gotta be hitting them, especially in March. Uh, you, you gotta you gotta take those opportunities and turn them into points. So, but. I think we sit pretty. I think uh, this team has really, you know, a really good shot to do something. Absolutely. Um, final question in our Twitter replies. Dylan asks, and I'm assuming he's talking about all sports here. He's he's he's, he's got to bring us down to the depths here with this depressing ass question. But biggest bust in University of Tennessee history. <laughs> ah. Dude, it what? It's been the past couple marches, to, in my opinion. I, I think he's talking about a player here. I, oh, I think, like right now? I, I think or in, ever. It, it, yeah, ever. Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like I'm gonna go with 
I'm going to go with a recent guy, and I'm going to go Julian Phillips. He he was I, I thought he was going to be some stud, but I mean as a five star, he didn't really do much in my opinion. Yeah, he scored 25 points in the Thanksgiving tournament against USC last year, and then he disappeared for basically the rest of the year. I mean, it was wild, and he still ended up getting drafted too. I mean, that's the only one and done that I think Barnes didn't improve much. So I think that's a great pick. I mean, it's like you said, he had high expectations. I mean, he's a five-star, and he came in and looked good for a couple of games, but then he just, you know, was MIA for three months of the year. So I think that's a great pick. Um, I'm going to go back right before Tennessee football nosedived um, in the mid-2000s here for, for my pick for the biggest bust. Um, if you're a longtime Tennessee fan, you know this name. Um, Jonathan Crompton, he, did have, he was a quarterback in the mid-2000s. He did have one good year in the Kiffin year in 2009. But the reason I say he's the biggest bust is because while Tim Tebow was taking his visit to Tennessee, Jonathan Crompton was also. And everything I've ever heard about this is that the coaching staff paid more attention to Jonathan Crompton on that visit than Tim Tebow. Mm. So, so, so that is why I go with him as the biggest bust in Tennessee sports history. Because if you're going to pick him over Tim Tebow and then he plays has one decent year, and Tim Tebow is regarded as one of the best college football quarterbacks ever. Yeah, not very good. And it, I, I would say it was a big, big part of our downfall for the, the 2010s. I mean, that set a lot of dominoes in place that put us behind the eight ball for all those years. So that's my pick there. I think that's a good pick. I think that's a really good pick. Um, there's plenty to pick from, in my opinion. I mean... <laughs> Guantanamo, whatever his name was, that was another just, yeah, just absolute horrendous career. Um, another five star. Yeah, exactly. Um, I this I have one question on my post that I think you could answer better than me, but um, okay. uh, Chef Dilly, Mister McGiggles asked, um, <laughs> what effect, if any, do you think the delayed judge ruling has on recruiting? And I just want to say before Ryan answers. And I'm sure he's going to say the same thing. I've heard it's had positive impacts on recruiting, and um, I'll let Ryan answer his 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 uh, spiel on that question. Yeah, I think anytime a state sues the or you know goes after the NCAA in court on on behalf of the flagship school of the state, that and and it says a lot about where that state and where that school stands as far as players rights. Um, and I think that means a lot in recruiting. I, I don't think, I mean, we had a commitment a couple weeks ago that a receiver, uh, his name is slipping my mind right now during all this, we we're getting good traction with a lot of other players right now on the recruiting trail. I mean, you talk about Don Charles Glover, you talk about Julius Holly. Juwan Gaston. I mean, all these guys are still taking visits and talking to Tennessee. And I really don't think it's having a, any negative effect on recruiting. It's like you said, if any effect, it's it's positive at the moment. 
Absolutely. And I mean, you have such like Nico is a great, great recruit to have because you got these wide receivers coming in and who doesn't want to play for Nico? Look at the showing he had against an Iowa top top defense as a first start. And I mean, you got like Marcus Harris is a, is a recruit that I think will, you know, have a really good shot to turn into a vol. I mean, five, five star wide receiver. Why wouldn't you want to play with Nico? And then you got George McIntyre coming in, you know, the following year. I mean, Tennessee is looking, you know, really good in the future. And I, I don't think this whole thing's going to turn into trouble for them. I think this is going to be a very positive thing. Um, for Tennessee with this whole NCAA thing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I guess that rounds out the the mailbag portion of the podcast. Um, normal. Do you want to get anything else tonight? I, I know we we've kind of gone longer than normal here. Do you got anything else to want to get off your chest before we sign off here? Uh, I don't think so. I feel like you know, Tennessee. You get. I'm saying this as Tennessee as a whole. Um, I think Tennessee is going to be fine when it comes to all this quote-unquote trouble that they're in. Um, there's a reason the, the state got behind us and stepped up is because they don't think we've done anything wrong. And uh, I think uh, Tennessee fans should be really excited for the future with football, baseball, and basketball. So, um no, I think that's it for me. I think I got everything. What about you? No, I'm good, man. Um, it's like you just kind of alluded to there. Tennessee is this is a good time to be a Tennessee fan, and I don't think there's anything to worry on the this all this drama with the NCAA. Uh, let's go get this win against Texas A&M. Let's keep this baseball momentum going until we get to SEC play, and hopefully we kick it into another gear from there. So that's all I got, man, and go Vols. Go balls, baby.